I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And no place in the world I'd rather be than with the people of God. In the house of God. The Bible says, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, which stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So we honor the Lord tonight and uh, thank him for this awesome, awesome week that he has given us. Have you been enjoying this week? Praise the Lord. Come on, don't, you don't have to do it to make me feel good. Let the Lord know you've been thankful for this week. Hallelujah. I do mean that it's a privilege and an honor to be here, and I, I know for myself and my wife, it's a privilege and an honor to be the pastors of such a great uh, group of people who uh, are hungry for God. Hungry for God, and won't let anything stop them from being with God, people being in God's presence, being in the atmosphere where God's word is, being in the atmosphere where God's spirit is, where his presence is, where there's an atmosphere of expectation, there's a breeding ground for miracles. And God is a miracle worker. He still is. He still is. He still is. Hallelujah. All that food everybody's buying may expire, but God's miracle working power, the blood will never expire. It will never lose its power. Hallelujah. And so today we're standing on the blood and the blood's covering us. Amen. So we're happy to be here tonight one more time. And uh, so we want to get into the word of God. And uh, I've got to, I want to try to finish tonight. <laughs> so uh, let's get right into it. Open your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. And I want to do the confession over the Bible about this is my Bible, that one. I want to do that one tonight. Let's just declare so when you get Galatians 3.13, put your finger in there, and then hold it up in there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Everybody have it? All right, let's, let's declare over this word. You can say it if you desire. All right, let's go. This is my Bible. It is the inspired, infallible, immutable word of God. I long for it more than necessary food. I love it and I'm never offended. I live by it, and I prosper in whatever I do. The word that I'm about to receive will sanctify me, build me up, and give me an inheritance among the saints. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. As we begin, I want to remind those who, who are maybe watching us online today or anytime in the future that we have opened a new prayer line here at the church uh, in, uh, in this time. Uh, something that we probably should have done years ago, but we've just now done it in this time. And uh, if you need prayer for anything, prayer for if you're in fear or in pain or uh, in financial issues, marital issues, whatever it is that, that you're dealing with, uh, we have prayer counselors that will pray for you. Our prayer line number is 727-893-8888. And uh, just give those uh, people a call. And they're not, there's not some people over in India answering our phones. It's not a call center somewhere. These are people who are members of this church, uh, trained prayer counselors uh, who are ready to uh, minister to you uh, at uh, whatever time you have your need. Amen? Amen. So again, 727-893-8888. All right, redeem from the curse, part five. Redeem from the curse, part five. Galatians chapter three, verse 13 says, Christ 
has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So this is again, redeemed from the curse, part five. We've been looking, and if you notice just what's going on around you, if you've had the uh, need to go out in public, and uh, you know whether you're going to work or going to the grocery store just to buy food or just exercise, you notice that fear and panic uh, is, has gripped our uh, city, our, our nation, and our world. And fear and panic has turned everybody into a suspect. <laughs> everybody. It doesn't matter if it's your uncle. It's, 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 uh, uh, it's, everybody's a suspect. Uh, but what's worse than that is this told, turned many, many people into uh, public idiots. <laughs> Just public idiots because they're in fear. And uh, I, I like to say I'm not picking on them, but I, I, I sort of am picking on people. Uh, because I want to expose the stupidity of this fear. And so uh, I've sent the media team some pictures. I'm, I'm going to show the last four of those pictures that we sent uh, tonight. If y'all could show those uh, picture number uh, nine for the people. And like I said, after this virus goes away or after the, the, all the stuff subsides, these pictures don't go away. So hopefully this guy can't be identified by his friends and family. Number 10. So I'm not sure if they're trying to lose weight or keep off the uh, virus. I'm not sure. Some of y'all remember that back in the day we used to put those on to try to lose weight? Try to sweat it out. So they're going to sweat out the virus and keep it off his, off his dreads too, I guess. I'm not sure if it's he or she. I don't know what it is. Number 11. Number 11. Now, that should probably keep people six feet away, too. It'll scare all the children. <laughs> Last one, number 12. Now, I, I don't know if y'all can, can y'all see that? Bring, bring your own oxygen with you. public idiots. Now, I want, to, I want to show you something as to why that is. Why? It's because, you know, since this uh, virus was projected or hit American shores, uh, the White House put together a task force. And this task force, when they came out with their first initial findings and reports, they projected that we'd see about 2 million deaths if we could mitigate everything. In other words, if we social distance, if we made everybody glove up, wear a mask, we could limit this thing to only about two million deaths. If we shut down schools, if we shut down malls, if we shut down churches, if we shut down all the stores, we could limit this to two million deaths. That in itself created the panic that shut everything down. See, before they were, nobody was ordered to shut anything down, but because of that number, two million deaths, everybody began to, oh my God, two million deaths, two million deaths, so we got to shut everything down because we don't want to be one of those two million. 
So schools and big business and small businesses have closed, and millions of people are now out of work in America. As of my research, as of today, over 17 million people so far from this coronavirus time have filed for unemployment. Now, there are, there are millions more that are out, but 17 million have already filed. 17 million have filed for unemployment, which is going to be a long ways off because there are systems all over the country. Every state's in the unemployment system is crashing. Now, this was because someone said 2 million people will die. As of today, I had to update this before I came out tonight. The deaths total around 18,000. Which means, and I, if, you, if, you, if you do the calculations as, as to how many people have been infected, that's over a 96% survival rate. I, just, I need you to hear that. I need you to hear these numbers. It's, it's over 96% survival rate. Now, people freak out about other diseases because, you know, your, your chances of survival is one in five or, you know, one in eight. But this is saying 96 out of every 100 are living right through it. Matter of fact, I read a stat today and I'm the only one in the news because I'm researching to teach you, because I, I want you to be informed, that, that the numbers that we're seeing, this is the Tampa Bay Times, the numbers that we're seeing, Florida's numbers, and every, all across, it's the same way across the country, but Florida's numbers, they say these numbers are rising every day, but they say what, what is happening is these are not, necess, not, not necessarily new cases. They're only cases that have taken weeks to be reported. So when we're looking at these numbers and they're, it's not, not that new people are getting infected. It's that these cases are finally being reported. Most places, when people went to their private doctors, it's taking them two weeks to get their results back. So everybody's afraid because these numbers keep going up, 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 up. These people already had it. And the paper went on to say that. Mo normally, most of these people have already had it without any symptoms. That's right, because it, th they called it the most deadly disease, virus, we'd ever face on this planet. And yet, they're saying most people already had it, just didn't know it. Well, how could it have been that deadly then? You just got to see something's wrong with this whole picture. I keep saying there's something the milk ain't clean, D. So there's only, now listen when I say there's only about 18,000 deaths, okay? When I say only, don't think I'm celebrating death like 18,000 is a good number. I wish there were no deaths. God, God takes no pleasure in the death of anyone. So God's not sitting back there happy like, well, only 18,000. No, that's not, okay? But I just need you to know what's going on. Now, if you've seen this White House task force, there are two main people on this panel that talk every day every day outside of President Trump and Vice President Pence. Deborah Burks, she's a uh, uh, scholarly looking uh, woman. She wears a different scarf, a beautiful scarf, different one every day. Her fashion statement is what's the big news right now. She's an immunologist who I discovered she's unlicensed. 
Yeah, she's not, she's not a practicing. She's just on this, she's been doing this so long, her licenses have expired in every state that she practiced in. But none of that matters. That's not my big point. But I want you to hear this because we're hearing these deaths, 18,000 deaths. She said this week, out of her own mouth, what we heard two weeks ago. Remember I told you two weeks ago that our source in the CDC, in the CDC, Center for Disease Control, said that at least a third of these deaths are not coronavirus, they're heart attacks. Besides all the other things, I told you that two weeks ago, right? So Deborah Burks, who's on the president's panel, she speaks every day, this week said that every death with the virus is counted, no matter how they die. You gotta catch. So every death of a person with the virus, or if they showed symptoms of the virus, whether they had it or not, it's counted as a coronavirus death, no matter how they died. This was she, we suspected that, but she said it this week out of her mouth. You can go back and find the videos. She said it out of her own mouth. What we had, what I told you two weeks ago. So that means a person comes in and uh, they're having stomach pain. Oh, that's stomach pain. And they got a stomach pain because they got, a, got an infection somewhere. Oh, you got a fever. So they're going to count that as coronavirus because fever is one of the symptoms. What is it doing? It's keeping that number inflated, which keeps the fear high, high, high. It keeps the panic high, 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 so that the governments of the world can shut people down and control people. And I wish the church would wake up. I was telling Deacon Robert before service tonight, I watched a video that just disturbed me. I've been following uh, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, and he tweeted this story, the video, retweeted, of a, of a guy, and I'm going to just say a black man, in Philadelphia being dragged off a city bus by 10 officers, happened to be white officers, because he didn't have a mask on. And I said, if I wasn't, if I wasn't sure this was 2020, See, you just said it. This is what I'm trying to warn people about. People think this is just, this is just a game. It ain't a game. It's to control the masses. My wife made a statement today I thought was so, so, so poignant. She said, you know, how they controlled slaves is you get one and you beat him so bad publicly that the others all submit. That's what they did to Rodney Howard Brown. They made a public spectacle of him to make all other pastors, well, I be, guess I better shut up. That's how they controlled slaves. You beat one, you, you hang one on a tree in public and let his body swing all night, all day long. So all the slaves, while they work in the field, they get to look at that tree and see, don't play. Now, y'all may think this is too real, but I'm just telling you, this is real. This is what's going on. Okay? Because there's a, there's a, there's a demonic system out here, a Luciferian force. 
that's trying to, sh number one, shut the church down and, and control the, the whole planet. So these numbers have to keep increasing. They have to make sure. Media, which is on the Luciferian side, has to make sure they, they keep pushing these numbers out. So Anthony Fauci, y'all know him? He's an older, older white gentleman who's on the, on the board. He's an infectious disease expert, been, been, on, been around for uh, 20, 30 years or so, whatever, uh, in that national scene. So remember what I told you? They first predicted how many deaths in the U.S.? How many? Two million, if we did everything right. Now they're saying they predict, it, they predict about 61,000. What did he just say? Did we drop from two million? First, they, they went 60 million. Then you heard a couple weeks ago, somewhere between uh, 100,000, 240,000. Then they kept dropping it to about 100,000. Then they dropped down to like 85,000. Now they're saying we probably hit maybe around 61,000 by August, which would be, our, which would be an eight-month time, time span, which is two months longer than the flu season. Flu season, they always project about 54,000 deaths and never shut anything down. Never force anybody to walk around with masks. Do you see this? So what's happened is they projected now 61,000, but it's too late. The panic's already out there. Too late. Too late. They've already shut corporations down. They're shut, I mean, corporations are now saying we're, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. We're not, not going to be able to make it back because this, we were already in the hole. I was disappointed to hear about one company, uh, Neiman Marcus, I think it is, who, uh, I mean, that's the place you're trying to go, right? Trying to get the Neiman Marcus, right? They're saying, we're, uh, people saying they're not going to make it because they were already carrying, what, a $4 billion, $4.3 billion debt load? $4.3 billion debt load and you're shut down? So what happens in the Luciferian strategy, Luciferian means people who worship Lucifer. That's what your upper echelon of Masons are. The upper echelon... See, most of our guys, I'm going to be a third-degree Mason or third-degree, third-degree. You don't know Jack. Because your 30s and above know who they're worshiping. They know they're worshiping Lucifer. They know it. You don't know it. You think it. we just, you know, you say dog because that's God backwards. I know a little bit of y'all little secrets. But Luciferians at the top know they're worshiping Satan. See, and they have a diabolical plan and a scheme to take full control over this world. Satan's trying to do it ahead of his time. See, he knows he can't do it till we're gone, but he's trying to push it ahead of his time. See, what's happened is now he's, uh, they've released this fear and panic, and it's, it's, it's too late to pull it back now. Only 61,000. Well, too late. Now everybody's scared of me already. Everybody's scared of each other already. There are people saying, they're, they're, they, I saw a poll today, they said about 60% of Americans in a poll that they took, they say even once the social distancing guidelines are relaxed, they say they, they don't think they'll be able to go back to regular thing. See, they're already scared. So it's too late. Now, that's enough uh, 
soapbox. Because I want to encourage you. I want to keep, I want to uh, keep, I almost said finish, but we'll never be finished. I want to keep building your faith, amen? Now, people aren't afraid of COVID. They're afraid of death. Two million deaths. They didn't predict two million infections. They predicted two million deaths. That's what scared everybody, everybody out, of their, out of their socks. People are afraid of death. But I want to show you that that fear is part of the curse. Deuteronomy 28. Now let's get cranking here. Deuteronomy 28, verse 66 and 67. It says, your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. This is the curse, right? Deuteronomy 28, the curse. In the morning, you shall say, oh, that it were evening. And at evening, you shall say, oh, that it were morning because of the fear which terrifies your heart and because of the sight which your eyes see. So they got to keep putting on pictures of the news of all these people rolling out in body bags and all these masks. They got to keep putting these things. Uh, the, the fear of things you see, it's the fear of death. They don't show the 96% of people who are surviving. Walking around doing just fine. Glory to God. But that fear of death is serious, y'all. It is part of the curse. Right? Now, I don't have to deal with sickness. We've dealt with sickness already this week. I want to I get to the, to, the, to, the, to the coup de gras right here. It's the fear of death. The reason people are, fear, are afraid of sickness is because they're afraid of death. You got it? Now, let's change to the, to the contemporary English version, these same two verses here. Deuteronomy 28, verse, 20, verse 66 and 67 from the CEV. Can you read it with me? Let's read it together. Ready to read. You will live in constant fear of death. Everybody say, that's the curse. You will live in constant fear of death. Verse 67. Each morning you will wake up to such terrible sights that you will say, I wish it were night. But at night you'll be terrified and say, I wish it were day. Why? Because constant fear of death. Can't sleep at night. And in a day you can't, can't sleep, can't focus in a day. It says constant fear of death. And that's what Satan is releasing all over the planet in a greater dimension right now. That's why people are, are, are they, 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 they are uh, ostracizing you. You stay away. I don't want you around me. Not because they don't love you. They love you. They love you, but they're afraid of you. They're afraid you went to church and got something. <laughs> they went to Walmart, but Walmart's purely, the air is sanitized in Walmart. And everybody who comes in public, they're taking their temperatures. Oh, they're not doing that yet? 
Okay, so, but they, they, they fear everything, see? And here's the thing, it's not just coronavirus. Because they're afraid of a lot of things. They're afraid of a lot of things, all kind of phobias. I got, well, this is my phobia. Well, we shouldn't have any phobias. So it's part of the curse. You shall go back to verse 66, please. 66. I, oh, this, this, is, this, is, this is real, real big. You will live in constant fear of death. Constant fear of death. Constant fear of death. <laughs> I've, I've seen people, they're they afraid to live, but they're scared to die. <laughs> but we learn in Galatians 3.13. You remember what it says? Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. So I've been redeemed from that constant fear of death. How can you have church on a Friday? I've been redeemed from the constant fear of death. How can you invite people to come? Because y'all know I ain't made nobody come now. I'm going to make sure we got this clear in case anybody call. I'm not forcing anybody to come to church. I'm not forcing even our media team to come to church. If they said, Pastor, I'm scared I can't make it. I say, sit still, you tell on home. I'm going to have somebody else run, this, run these machines. If I have to run and push the button myself and come back. So we're not forcing anybody to come. While you're here, because I've been redeemed from the constant fear of death. Somebody say, and I know it. Because <laughs> I told you that you've got to uh, know for yourself that you've been redeemed from the curse and that it has no power in your life. There's no power in your life. It has no power in your life. Say, it has no power in my life. Say, the fear of death has no power in my life. Matter of fact, say this. Say, death has no power in my life. You got it? You are free to move about the cabin, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, he's already redeemed us from the curse. Galatians 3.13, he's redeemed us from the curse. Now, I, I taught you that word, uh, redeem, exogarazo. Did I get it right this time? Exogarazo, give me a hand. Y'all so special. <laughs> Exogarazo, which means to redeem, uh, then it says, by payment of a price, to recover from the power of another, to ransom or buy off. I want to focus on that part, to recover from the power of another. Now, I showed you a couple nights ago, uh, we went over and, and learned that uh, we are delivered from the power of Satan. Everybody say, I'm delivered, I'm delivered. from the power of Satan. I showed you in Acts 26, 18, where Paul uh, was given this order by God to, to turn uh, people's eyes, uh, open people's eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God. So I'm delivered from the power of Satan. Acts 10, 38, in the contemporary English version, Acts 10, 38 says, Jesus healed everyone who was under the power of the devil. So people who are sick, they're oppressed, they are under the power of the devil. Now, some of you right now are, are, are battling and you've got some things in your body. You're not under the devil's power anymore. See, you're on your way out. You're coming out of this thing. 
You understand that? You understand what I'm saying to you? So you're not under his power anymore. You're proving that to him. <laughs> you can't control me, dude. I like to call him sucker. Joker tried to get me the other night, I told you. So he healed how many? All. Oh, everyone who was under the power of the devil. Everyone. Everyone. Well, God doesn't heal everybody today. Well, let's look at, Gen- uh, uh, at uh, uh, Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same. Come on. Today. So it is his will to heal, and he does heal. So anybody today that's under the power of Satan, Jesus still heals. All right? So number one, I'm delivered from the power of Satan. Number two, we taught you last night, I'm delivered from the power of darkness. Glory to God. Ephesians 5, 8 says that we used to be darkness. You were once darkness. Notice it didn't say you were once in darkness. It says you were once darkness. You were darkness. Some of y'all remember when you were darkness. I was Batman Majama. I was darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. So everybody say, I am light in the Lord. So we are delivered from the power of darkness, all right? Colossians 1.13 says, God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So you and I have been delivered from the power of darkness. Everybody say, I've been delivered. I am delivered from the power of darkness. Now remember that word power means control, authority, or influence. Control, so darkness doesn't control me. It has no authority over me, and it no longer can influence me. It can't tell me how to operate. I'm no longer uh, a slave to darkness anymore. Hallelujah. Been free from the man. (laughs) Praise God. All right, so let's get in here in our time remaining, which is short, to this last one tonight. I'm delivered from the power of death. I'm delivered from the power of death. Now, you remember what it said in Deuteronomy 28, 66 in the contemporary English version? It said, you will live in constant fear of death. Now, you notice I didn't put all any Hebrew words on you, Elder Jeff? You know why? I don't think you need any Hebrew words for this. I don't think you need a Strong's Concordance. I don't think you need a Webster's Dictionary. When I read, you will live in constant fear of death, I know what that means. Period. So, there are people, because remember what I showed you last night, uh, out of the 7.3 billion people on the planet, 5 billion of them are non-Christians. So those 5 billion are under the curse. And out of the 2.3 billion that are Christians, most of them don't know this, so they still live as if. They're under the curse. They still behave like mere men. All right? But you and I have been delivered. Okay, now, 
Let me walk you through, through something here. Why do people fear death? I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Why do people fear death? I want to give you one word. It's a small word, but it's a big word. Three letters. It's S-I-N. Oh, look at y'all. S-I-N. The reason people are in fear of death is because of S-I-N, sin. Everybody shout sin. Sin. 1 Corinthians 15, watch this. Let me start it. I'm going to look at verse 26, then I'll skip down. Verse 26, 1 Corinthians 15 says, The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Now, don't forget that. Don't forget that, okay? All right, now, go to 55, verse 55 through 57. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, or grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is S-I-N. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's given us victory over sin and he's given us victory over death. Because this thing of sin or this thing of death is sin. Here's what that means. That means death only stings or has a bite or has the ability to harm you if there's sin. If you look at that, that word uh, when you see uh, sting, you look it up. I didn't, I didn't bring this tonight uh, in the Greek. And it talks about uh, animals that because of they inflict stings or bites on people that harm and cause death. And it talks about these stings. Uh, the sting is like an animal uh, attacking you and ravaging you. When you study that, that word. So the sting or what allows uh, death to ravage a person is sin. So here's, here's how it happens. Here's what happens. So if you and I win, I, I should say if because Jesus might come before we die. Uh, he probably will. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm predicting he will before in our lifetime. Not tonight, not next week, not next year. But he's, no, he will. He will come in our lifetime. I, I really believe that. Most of you, many of you who are sitting here will live to see Jesus Christ return. Okay? Only thing we're waiting on now is the restitution of all things. Everything else is already set. Only thing we're waiting on is this final revival. Okay? So, but if you go the way of the grave, old grave, go back to verse 55, old grave, where's your victory? I think it talks about that. Um, yeah, Hades, but King James, I think, used the word grave, right? So it's the grave. When you and I die as believers, because we don't have a sin nature any longer, we don't feel it. We don't feel it. For you and I, it's just as easy as going to sleep. And we open our eyes, we're with God. 
we're in glory. There, there is no, oh, I got to go to this. There's, there's nothing. It's a, it's that, that's why many times you see, you see a Christian when they pass on, it's like a smile on their face. It's like, I had the, the privilege of being with uh, Deacon Robert and Paul, if y'all don't mind me saying, when uh, their daughter was transitioning uh, a couple years back, and uh, I watched her who could not close her eyes when she transitioned. She closed her eyes. It's like, Mamba out. I mean, just because, see, when you're a believer, there's no pain to the process. See, this thing of death is sin. That means if, if, you don't, if you're not in sin, you don't have a sin nature, you don't feel death. And yet, most Christians are scared to die. But you'll never feel it. You won't even know it. You won't even know it until you wake up like, hey, there's Jesus. What you doing? What you doing? Oh, I'm, oh. <laughs> All right, you think he's visiting, you know you're with him like, hey, hi. Well, praise the Lord. Praise you. Right? But if, you're, if you have a sin nature, death ravages you. It's painful. It's horrible. And when you wake up, you wake up in hell. In torment. The Bible said Jesus gave the story, and this was not a parable. This was not a parable. When Jesus gave the story of, a, of Lazarus and a rich man, Remember that? No parable does Jesus Christ give a name. He'd always say a certain man. So this is not a parable. This is a true story he tells of, a, of a, a Lazarus and a rich man. And it said Lazarus died and he, was, he ended up in Abraham's bosom because Jesus Christ hadn't gone to the Father yet. He hadn't gone to the cross yet. But, but when the rich man died, the Bible says in hell he lifted up his eyes. Say, neighbor, hell is a real place. And you don't want to go there. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, the Bible said. And when he did, he looked up, and the Bible says there was a, there was a large gulf between him. He could, he could look up and recognize Abraham. He looked up and recognized Lazarus. And he said, will you please send Lazarus? to bring me some water, just at least touch my tongue. He said, because of all this torment I'm in, he was in fire. People have this idea, somehow sinners have this idea, either there is no life after death, or if they do go to hell, it's going to be a party with Tupac and Biggie and Red Fox and all that kind of stuff. But I have bad news for you, son. Hell is a place of eternal torment and torture where worms will, will, will be all over your body. The, the Bible's Jesus said they'll be weeping and gnashing of your teeth forever. Falling forever in a bottomless pit. Once hell, the Bible says in the Revelation, hell will be turned into the lake of fire. So hell is like jail. Hell is like being on 49th Street. The lake of fire is worse. He said, you read in Revelation, didn't we read that earlier this, this year? Hell will be turned into the lake of fire. 
So you move from your jail to your prison forever. Eternal torment falling forever, forever in flames in utter darkness. Say, neighbor, there is a real hell. And I'm not going. And if you had any sense, you do everything you had to do to make sure you don't go either. So that's why there is a fear of death. Because death to the sinner does hurt. And whether they want to, they, they want to play like it ain't real, but they all scared. Because what, what you know is, see, in this world of life, there are things you can do over in life. You can do some things over. You get a divorce, you can do something over. You drop out of school, you can do it over. Your business fail, you can do it over. But when you die, there's no do-over. So the sting of death is sin. Give me uh, this verse. <clears throat> Are y'all learning anything tonight? Yeah. Give me 1 Corinthians 15. Give me 55 and 56, please, in the easy-to-read version. In the easy-to-read version. Glory to God. Easy-to-read. I hope that's what I gave y'all. E-R-V. Easy-to-read version. Because I want you to see this here. In, in a little more modern translation. All right. You getting it? Praise the Lord. I'm not going to hell. We used to say back in our church, I don't want to go to hell, hell no. I don't want to go to hell, hell no. I don't want to go to hell, hell no. I don't want to go to hell. And you know about that? Well, I don't want to go to hell, hell no. Hell no, hell no, hell no, hell. I don't want to go to hell. Tell your neighbor, you don't want to go to hell. I mean, that's, that's what you do. Tell your neighbor, you don't want to go to hell. Hell no, you don't want to go to hell. I ain't going to hell. Hell no. We were holiness. Holiness or hell. That's how we were brought up, Gershom, right? It was holiness or hell. It wasn't no holiness of Baptist, it was holiness or hell. I'm just telling. I'm just. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just telling the truth. Anybody else was raised like that in the holiness church like that? I'm just telling you. That's how we were raised. I'm not mad about that. I'm glad. I learned how to walk in walk holiness. Now there's a lot of traditional stuff that you know that was wrong, but uh, I'm glad I learned holiness. Holiness is right. Walking in the light. All right, ERV, it says, O death, where is your victory? Where is your power to hurt? Where is your power to hurt? Now look at verse 56, please. 56. Death's power to hurt is sin. You see this now? And the power of sin is the law. So, Romans 6.14 says that sin no longer has dominion over us. So sin doesn't have power over us. So if sin doesn't have power over me, 
then it can't obligate me to death. Sin, I'll try to show you this here briefly as I can. Sin ties you to death. Sin draws you to death. In other words, you remember uh, Adam and Eve when they were in the Garden of Eden, they were created perfect, walking with God in perfect fellowship with God, and they would not have died except sin came in. If Adam and Eve had not sinned, they'd be walking around here today, right here with us, just, you know, all of us would have been buck naked, just clothed in glory. Just clothed in the glory of God. See, y'all snickering, but it was just, you know, it was clothed in the glory of God. They didn't know they were naked. They were clothed in the glory of God, right? So, so, uh, but sin came in, and what happened? They began to die. Still took Adam 900-some years to die after he sinned. But over time, as sin got worse and worse and worse, and the, and the degening process began to get worse and worse, we devolved, and now people die. Okay? So sin draws people to death. But sin, according to Romans 6.14, has no more power over me. All right, now, let's look at that in Scripture here. Romans 8. Everybody okay? Yes, sir. Romans 8. I'll be through as soon as I'm finished. Romans 8, <laughs> verse 2. Verse 2, this Friday night, we might as well get paid. Right? Romans 8, verse 2. Are you there? Says, for the law of the Spirit. No, let me, let me start it. Can I start at verse 1? Let me start at verse 1. Media, I'm sorry. Let me start at verse 1. I think you need this here. No, can I start at chapter 7? Go back to chapter 7, let's say around verse 24. I just want you to see this in context. Y'all know the verse I'm about to read, but I want you to see it in context. You know when the Bible's written, it wasn't written in chapters like this. Translators broke it up into chapters to make it easier for our, us to understand, you know, break it up. But it wasn't, so we're, we can just keep reading. This is a letter that Paul wrote, right? So chapter, chapter 7, verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who's going to deliver me from this? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. My flesh has a sin issue. Now, go to chapter 8, verse 1, please. Chapter 8, verse 1 and verse 2. There is therefore. Y'all got it? How many of y'all have read this verse right here? Well, you have to see what therefore was therefore. So I took you back to show what therefore was there for. It's there because of what we just read. So there is therefore now no condemnation. Now what does condemnation mean? It, it means a sentence to death. To those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So if you keep walking according to the flesh, guess what's happened? You keep inviting death back in. Are you hearing this? Now, now watch verse 2. Here it go. Here it is. Here it is. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me, say me, free from the law of sin and death. You see that? So sin and death go hand in hand. They're bosom buddies. You, you, uh, in fact, one brings the other. You walk in sin, it brings death. 
You live in sin, it brings death. So it's a law then of sin and death. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it again, hallelujah. hallelujah. So then death has no power over me. I'm free from it. Okay, remember I, we looked at last night, Colossians 1, uh, 13, I think it was. We talked about uh, Christ has delivered us from, the, from, uh, from the, uh, the power of darkness. Translated to the kingdom of dear son. So we remember we moved. I talked about Trekkies. You know, live, oh, live long and prosper. Oh, let me get it, let me get it. Live long, I get it. Live long and, oh, like this. Oh, I got, huh? Two heads. Oh, you a half Trekkie. So, okay. So, check it. You translate it from one to another. No longer on planet Oompa Noompa. You're now on safe, safe on the ship. What was it called? A starship? Enterprise? Safe on the starship? I got to ask Angela. She'll check it. Starship Enterprise? Right? Klingons, remember them? I don't see it. He know the languages and stuff like that. He probably on Duolingo trying to learn Klingon language and stuff like that. Rosetta Stone. Um, so when you left the power of darkness or the kingdom of darkness, when you moved to the kingdom of light of God's dear son, you were free from that kingdom's laws. Got it? Just like if you and I, if we leave the United States of America, we're free from its laws. All right? If I leave Earth, I'm free from gravity. Gravity is only a law on Earth. You go on the moon, you'll be bouncing around. Law, the law of gravity only works on Earth. So if I leave Earth, I'm no longer under its law, which means gravity and the Earth can't hold me down. So if I leave sin, I am free from its law of death. As long as you remain in sin, death has a foothold and a place in your life. One day, Jesus was uh, with his disciples, and he was praying, and, and then he was talking to them, giving some final things before he was going to the cross. And he said, listen, the prince of the evil genius of this world comes, and he has nothing in me. In other words, Jesus was saying, Satan's trying to get to me, but, but because I don't have any sin, he doesn't have anything to attach to. That's why no man could take his life. He had to lay his life down. Because he could, yo, man. He could not be killed. You see, there was one time, maybe I think it might have been his first couple days in ministry. He was, you read it, in fact, in Luke 4, you read it. Uh, he's, he's going out there, he's preaching, telling everybody about the goodness of the Lord, the kingdom of God, and the people get mad about him. They take him out to a cliff, going to throw him off a cliff. And the Bible says he passed right through them. Now, how is a whole crowd holding him, got him by the throne of a cliff, and the Bible says he walks right through? See, because he's a prince of life, the spirit of life is working in him, and death could not get him. 
Many times they planned to get him, but they couldn't. It wasn't until he knew it was his time, pre-appointed time, that he, he said, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. He had to die by grace. He had to get an ability to do something that he couldn't do. He couldn't just die, so grace had to come on him to die. He had to apply his faith to die. Because he couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't die. He's the prince of life. There was no sin. Remember, uh, Joseph was his stepfather. Y'all missed that right over here. Joseph was his stepfather. I said again for the slow people. Joseph was his stepfather, which meant that he never got a sin nature from his father. His father was God. So death had no way of getting a hold of him. So he had to lay his life down. So when you and I are out of sin and no longer have the sin nature, we, you and I, this might stretch most people in their, in their understanding. We have to willingly die. I know, I know that's tough for a Friday night, but I believe y'all, y'all are a meat crowd. Y'all are carnivores. We need some more meat, Pastor, more meat, 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 meat. Praise God, I'm going to give me some meat tonight. I ain't had any meat in a whole week. Praise the Lord. Oh, I haven't chewed anything in a week. Give me some gum and everything. I'm going to go to sleep and chew on gum. Praise God. Meat. That's what we are. See, this is a stretch for most Christians to understand that because of our new righteous nature. Give me a second... uh, no, Romans 5, 17. Romans 5, 17. Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned, ran the show through the one, much more, here, here, come, here comes you, here comes you, much more those, tell you David, this is you, who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So death doesn't reign. You reign. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. So I remember growing up, they used to sing, I used to hear these songs, these gospel folk songs. Late in the midnight hour when death come tipping in the room. Death will get shot coming in my room. You don't come tipping in my room. I'm trying to sleep. Death come in there. Death got you on the little little board. Pull your number. And most Christians believe that. No, it said no death reign. By Adam's offense. But because of Jesus Christ, you and I received abundance of gra- an abundance of, an abundance an abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness. I'll show you if I have time that righteousness, in righteousness there is life. And in the in that pathway of righteousness, there is no death. 
So you have to, have to willingly die. <laughs> oh, you'll get this by next Tuesday. So we're in the kingdom of God. Say it. So I'm in the kingdom of God. And I want to show you death has been abolished. Go to 2 Timothy chapter uh, 1. 2 Timothy 1. Glory to God. Y'all give me a few more minutes. I want to make sure you, so, you are so strong when you leave this place after this week that Dr. Who and Nurse Friday And the Surgeon General can't tell you how to live your life. Certainly not your crazy cousin. Who's a slave in their own house. Don't you come outside. Don't you come out here. People right now are scared to come to church, not because some of them are not scared of the virus. They're scared they're going to get arrested. Because the media's put all, 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 out all kind of stuff about they're going to arrest people and find people for going to church. People are in this city. There ain't no, ain't no, there's no curfew. There's no order. There's not even a presidential order. What the president said, he, he, he suggested, he, he advised. You mean that you listen to him now? I, I thought you didn't like him. Oh, now you want to listen to him. Does a president sit here? That's oh that now now that's our president. All before he was y'all president. Now that's our president. Well, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Come on, come on. Our president. Are you in Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven through ten? For God has not given us a spirit of fear. I don't have it. Say, I don't have it. But of power and of love and of a, a sound mind. I don't make foolish decisions and do foolish things. I got a sound mind. I don't put all kind of stuff all over my face. I got a sound mind. I'm still sane. Now watch this, verse 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Share with me, for the sufferings. There's a lot of pastors that's going, going through some sufferings right now for the gospel's sake. In other words, the ones that are saying, we're going to stay open, we're going to preach the gospel. And they're suffering. We're, I'm included, suffering from other pastors and other people. Everybody want to pick on us because we're going to keep obeying God rather than man. Rather than man's suggestions. It's just man's suggestions, deep. Verse 9, who has saved us, I'm saved by his power divine, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality 
to light through this here gospel. In other words, if you know this gospel, you know he has brought life and immortality. You, you are not bound to death anymore. Death can't tell you when you're going to leave here. Did you hear what I just told you? Death can't tell you when you're going to leave here. Well, you can't nobody control death. Everybody has an appointment. Well, the Bible says it's appointed every man wants to die. Yes, it is appointed to every man wants to die. He didn't set the appointment. You hear that at everybody's funeral. Well, it's appointed to every man wants to die. Yes, that's true. Every man's going to die. Exactly right. Exactly right. He didn't put a time on it. Well, no, when, when is my time? What do you mean when is your time? Oh, you, you, you said that. Do I have any meat folk in here? Notice what he said again in verse 10. I, I want you to see this again. But it's now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has what? Abolished. Say it again. Abolished. Say it again. Abolished. How many of y'all even know what abolish means? But even if you don't know what it means, you know something, something happened to death. He, he did something to death. I don't know, I don't know what abolish means, but he did something to death. If you, if you, I'm going to show you in a minute. If you, you should know, and most of y'all in here should know what abolish means. He abolished death. Abolished it. Y'all studied black history. He abolished Well, you ain't acting like you're free. He abolished death. I want to say this part. And brought life and immortality. Immortality? Yes, immortality. He brought immortality. Well, we, we, immortality happens when we die. No, you see, the moment you get saved, you have eternal life. You have. Not you're going to have, you have right now eternal life. So you are already immortal. Your spirit is immortal. And if you let yourself live from the inside out, you control what goes on in here. Not the outside. The inside controls this. You got it? I know, I know this is powerful. This is good. This is good. That word abolish comes from this Greek word, Katargio, I hope that's right. We'll go with it. It's right now. Means to, <laughs> to deprive of force. Katargio. That, that, that's, that's exactly right. To deprive of force, influence, or power. This is what Jesus did to death. Deprive a force. Force is power. It's, it's right? It's, it's, it's um, y'all chemists, y'all uh, phys uh, physical, what do you call that? Uh, no. Uh, what's the other science? Physics. I'm thinking about physics. Physicists. 
physicists understand force. It's a moving power. It's something. But it's been deprived, which means that death had the ability to force its way on you. But he abolished it. So death can't force its way in your room at night. Influence. It doesn't even have any influence on me. It can't influence any of my decisions. No, I'm led by the Spirit of God. Or power. So death doesn't have any power anymore. Here's one we're familiar with. To cause, to cease, put an end to, or do away with. <laughs> Jesus abolished death. He caused death. Well, Pastor, I know people are still dying. I'm talking about the people who are in him. He caused death to cease. He put an end to death. He did away with death. That's why you and I know from the scriptures that when, as Christians, when we die, we sleep. Is that what your Bible says? We sleep. Jesus is going to come back to all those who are asleep in the Lord. Sleep. Sleep. You know how you go to sleep at night? Sleep. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Everybody say abolished. Now, some of y'all who've been through your U.S. history, black history, you know the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery. That's why we are out here now. And it abolished slavery and uh, involuntary servitude. And if you go read the Constitution, it still says it to this day, except as punishment for crime. So slavery is abolished except for punishment of a crime. So according to the United States Constitution, if you commit a crime, we can put you back in slavery or in voluntary servitude. That's still on your books today. So I'm telling you, be careful what you're seeing going on around this country right here. It ain't just black folk. So everybody's one crime away from being a slave again. Are you, are you, I'm, just, I'm just going by what the Constitution says to this day. <laughs> now, remember what it said. Except as punishment for crime. So slavery is abolished except as punishment for crime. So death is abolished, except as punishment for a lifestyle of sin. So should you choose to live a lifestyle of sin, then you have a right now to die. Or death has a right now to force its way on your life. But if I'm no longer a sinner, 
if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away and all things are become new. I'm no longer a sinner. I don't have a sin nature. Now death has no right to force me back into its slavery or take my life. You got it? Glory to God. All right. Let's, let's finish. Let's finish. <laughs> Ooh, you're going to be full. You're going to be Hope you have to loosen your belt in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2. Because I want you to see this here. What Jesus, notice we, we keep showing Jesus Christ did for us. Yes. Redeemed us from the curse. Abolished death for us. Yes. Look at Hebrews 2 and verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made, remember I taught you this, was that last night, night before last? A little lower than the angels, that's just when he became man, for the suffering of death, for the suffering of death, he had to lower himself for the suffering of death. If he had lowered himself, he could not have suffered death. He lowered himself for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Man, y'all got to catch it. When Jesus died on the cross, although he had never sinned, he took upon himself all of our sins. So because he took upon himself all of our sins, he tasted death. Death had a sting to him. So for three hours while he's on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth and two thieves, he's tasting death because of all of our sin. But then, when he died, before he died, he said, it is finished. Went into hell, preached captivity captive, got back up on the third day morning with all power in his hand, Right? Resurrection life power. He's alive forevermore. He comes back to us and say, I tasted it. You're not going to like it. Now, if somebody goes to a restaurant, tastes the restaurant's food two or three times, and they say, man, this restaurant is horrible. Are you going to go? Why not? Because they already tasted it for you. You ever have somebody, you, you, you know, sitting right there, right there with them and they say, ooh, this, taste that. <laughs> ever done that? They taste it, they make their face, taste that. What do you, what do you say to them? All right. Why would I taste that? You making that kind of face. Right? You already tasted it for me. He already tasted it for me. He already tasted death for us. So we don't have to taste death anymore. Hallelujah. And we won't taste death. Because he took all of our sin. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why. In, in 1 Corinthians 11, oh my goodness, Ha, ha, ha. Ooh-wee. 
1 Corinthians 11, 23. Look at that, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Look at this. I'm going to start there. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that which the Lord Jesus on the, on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. You remember that? Now, we know this is the Lord's Supper that we take, right? We just took it a couple nights ago. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, what? Which is broken what? For you. My body's broken for you. So your body ought to be broken. My body was broken for you. Come on, with his stripes we were healed. He says, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant, the new agreement in my blood, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Right? We know that part. In remembrance of me. Well, remember what? What should we remember? Well, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Every time you receive the Lord's Supper, you're proclaiming his death. Every time I receive the Lord's Supper, I'm reminding myself and the devil of his death. And with his death, he tasted death for me. With his death and his resurrection, he abolished death. So every time I take that bread and that juice, I remind myself of his death. That's why folk need to understand the significance of the Lord's Supper. When I was growing up, nobody missed church on communion Sunday. They knew first Sunday, listen, they might have been heathens for three Sundays out of the month. As long as they weren't a heathen on Saturday night before Sunday morning. And we used to have some of the people that on Sunday morning, communion Sunday, come in and they go. Y'all, y'all ever saw them? What, what you got into? What you got into? See, they were afraid of eating and drinking unworthily. That's what, they were what we were taught. But what the church missed was this unworthiness was not about your sin. Your sin's been paid for. If you ask God to forgive you, your sin has already been covered. The unworthiness was you not understanding that his death covered everything. Not understanding that we are part of, we are his body. And, oh my God, and the body is meant to be together. That's what the devil is fighting against right now. Today, the president was asked, what's your advisement for all the faith leaders across the country who want to get back and have church? He said, he told them, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm telling them, don't come back together. Don't have church in person. The country needs time to heal. Well, uh, Mr. President, when? When, when is when, when, is, when is the country going to heal? This is how we heal. If you think we can heal at home and in the store 
and walking in the park? So don't come back together in person. I'll share with Elder Jeff that, that uh, the Department of Homeland Security already put out a note. They put out this notice that to warn all faith leaders that even when everything clears up, the climate is so um, uh, tense right now that there will probably be threats of violence against your churches. You see it? Well, what is that all about? It's the devil's attempt to keep us from coming back together. And there are pastors who act like, well, this is okay, we can just, we can just stream. You don't discern the Lord's body. The body is not meant to be separate and disjointed, fragmented. The body is meant to be together so that each joint supplies, each joint supplies, each joint supplies. See, if you think, listen to me, pastors online who shut down on your own. If you think that just because you stand in front of an a, 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 a iPad or a camera and preach that you're, you're the one-man show, then what's happening is every joint is not supplying. It's you thinking you can supply everything to the church. But the Bible says every joint supplies. When we come together, every man has a psalm. Every man has a revelation. Every man has a song. Every man has a prophecy. And the devil's intent is to keep the joints from supplying each other, which keeps the body from being built up. That's what the devil's fighting against. Because he knows if you can get a church that's built up, we're going to wreak havoc on this kingdom. See, there, there, aren't, there aren't many Apostle Derbers out there. See, Apostle Derber, their, their, their state, they got shut down in their state. So you know what? He's going to give the devil a black eye every night. And I'm going to give you a little 15-minute little coffee, little sermon while I'm sitting by my fireplace, drinking a little coffee, reading you two scriptures from the Daily Bread. No, I'm going to give you a word for a whole solid hour every single night. And I say to Dad, if case, in case you ever watches, you hit them high, I'm going to hit them low. Bam! Mm. Bam! Mm. <laughs> See, we discern the body. We discern the body. I don't, I don't expect the world to discern the body. Because these are spiritual things. And a natural man does not discern spiritual things. So they don't understand why we need to be together. And they'll never understand why we need to be together. But we need to be together. We're a body. Where I had y'all? Y'all got it, First Corinthians. All right, let's 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 finish this out here. Hebrews two fourteen. Hebrews two fourteen. Man, man, man. This 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 is the last night. So we might as well just 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 leave everything on the canvas. If you're a boxer, and you're gonna go 12 rounds. You don't get to the 11th round and 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 quit. You gonna no, we gonna go all the way all the way to the end. Am I right, Dean Gershon? 
we going 12 rounds. And it'll be a 12 round knockout. Come on, Lisa. <laughs> Hebrews, uh, what did I tell y'all? 2.14. So we were in Hebrews 2.9, right? Now look at Hebrews 2.14. Inasmuch then as the children have become partakers of, uh, children have partaken, rather, of flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise shared in the same flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. So the devil had the power of death, but death has been abolished, and the devil has been destroyed. Glory to God. So, listen to this. Satan can't kill you. He can only scare you to death. You know one of the things he does for people? Is get people to use stupid words like, ooh, that scared me to death. He gets people to use stupid phrases like, ooh, boy, that scared me to death. Ooh, I almost died. Ooh. It's killing me. This is the big one, Elizabeth. I'm coming to join you. <laughs> See, all these stupid, 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 comical phrases that your body cannot discern, your natural cannot discern the spiritual. So your natural body cannot tell whether you're joking or not. Oh, y'all better catch what I'm saying. Your natural body cannot tell whether you're joking or not. Your natural body was programmed to respond to your words. That's going to kill me. That's just, that's, that's just going to kill me. This is what people say. So he can't kill you. He can only scare you to death. Remember Jesus said in Luke 21, men's hearts fell them for fear and the expectation of those things that are in the earth. Fear and expectation of those things in the earth. But you and I have been released from this fear. Now look, look. Now remember what he just read. He destroyed him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Just, just in case you weren't sure who it was, it was a devil. Everybody say it was a devil. So he destroyed him. I like that, destroyed him. <laughs> now look at verse 15. And, here it is, Miss Hattie, this is why you can sleep at night. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to slavery. Bondage. So the fear of death enslaves you. So people right now are walking around, they're hunkering down like slaves. Now there are some places where the, the law has been set, people can't go out. They just, that's, that's, that's this, this, this totalitarian, draconian, this, this thing that they're doing, socialistic, communistic really thing they're doing, controlling people in America. But he says, Jesus released me. Who through the fear of death were all 
our lifetime subject to bondage. So everybody say, I've been released. released. All right. So what now? What now? now, Deuteronomy 30. Let's close it out right here. Deuteronomy 30. That means, now now watch. Death has no power over me. Say it. Death has no power over me. Say it again. Death has no power over me. The devil can't tell me when to die. He doesn't have that power anymore. Can't creep in my room. He can't, he can't, he can't tell me because your daddy died at this age, you're gonna die at this age, and your mama died at this age, you're gonna know you can't tell me that. I'm not under that. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Deuteronomy verse uh, 30, verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you. I want you to pick. Life and death, blessing and cursing. Now, if if you would put a dividing line, life and blessing are on one side, death and cursing are on the other side. Death and the curse, and the curse, we've been redeemed from the curse. The curse includes death. The blessing includes life. Got it? So I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. I got a suggestion for you. Therefore, therefore, with your smart self, therefore, with your intelligent self, choose life for your whole household. That you and your descendants may live. Chris, I'm going to choose life for my household. We ain't going to choose no death. We ain't going to choose no cursing. I'm redeemed from the curse. We're redeemed from the curse. We choose life. We choose blessing. We choose life. We choose blessing. All right? How do I choose this? How do I do it? Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, verse 21. How do I choose life and I do it every day? Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life, come on, are no longer in the power of the devil. They're in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So when you love to talk, you'll eat the fruit of what you speak. So if you're going to speak, baby, speak life. My brother, if you're going to speak, speak life. Hallelujah. 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 No, this ain't killing me. Nothing's scaring me to death. Nothing's making me sick. I don't even tell people you make me sick. Stop telling people that you make me sick. Stop saying, I'm just sick of this. I'm just sick of this. Stop saying that. Say, I've had enough. Don't say, I'm sick of this. Your body does not know that you really mean something else. Your body wasn't trained on slang.
So I'm going to choose life. Choose life. How am I going to do it? I'm going to speak. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So I have been redeemed from the curse. I am delivered from the power of death. So the curse is no longer part of my life. Satan can't run me. Darkness can't run me. And death can't run me. I'm going to live till I'm satisfied. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, get on your feet. Get on your feet tonight. Say neighbor, choose life. Choose life. Hey, now tell them you have a choice. Most of you don't know they have a choice. Well, when is my time? Well, you never know when your day gonna come. Who told you that? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul said, all things are yours. Apollos, Cephas, life, death, the world is all yours. You choose. Go ahead and choose life. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm a kid and you give me a choice between a brownie and Brussels sprouts, I'm going to choose a brownie every day. I'm going to choose, I'm just going to tell you. I said if I'm a kid and as a, an adult, I know better. But as a kid, I'm going to choose brownie every day, all day. Choose life. Jesus already tasted the Brussels sprouts. No, I like Brussels sprouts. I said, if I'm a kid, going back to being a kid. I like Brussels sprouts with my wife do a little bacon and all that kind of stuff and just make it it's real good. Let's, let's do a couple confessions right here. Based on Job, chapter 5, verse 20 and 26. Repeat this. I am redeemed from death and I will go to the grave at a full age. Let's say that again. I am redeemed from death and I will go to the grave at a full age. Psalm 91, 16. Say this. I will be satisfied with long life. Don't copy the world when they keep saying life is short. Don't say that. Don't say life is short. Well, you know life is short. Shut up. I will be satisfied with long life. 
Say it again. I will be satisfied, will be satisfied with, long life. with long life. Psalm 118, verse 17. Psalm 118, verse 17. Say this. I shall not die, shall not die but, live but live and declare, and declare the, works the works of the Lord. I shall not die, shall not die but live. And declare, and declare the works of the Lord. The of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs 10, verse 2. I told you about righteousness, right? Yeah. You're not a sinner. You're made righteous. Say this. By my righteousness, By my righteousness I, am I am delivered from death. When you get a chance, when you get a chance, read Proverbs 10. And Proverbs 11, you'll see several times where it says righteousness delivers from death over and over and over again. We're righteous. I used to be a sinner, but now I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And my righteousness, by righteousness, I'm delivered from death. Last one, Proverbs 12 and verse 28. Say this, in the way of righteousness... Is life. is life. And in my pathway, in my pathway there, is no there is no death. And in my pathway, in my pathway there, is no there is no death. And in my pathway, in my pathway there, is no death. there is no death. Now give God one big shout of praise tonight for the word of God, for the promises of God. All his promises, they are yes. And they are amen. We say amen to his promises tonight. Hallelujah. We shall not die but live. And declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My God. My God. We are just. We're not out of control. God put us in control. He made you the prophet of your own life. So don't let, let the devil uh, chump you. Push you around like he has control. Don't let darkness deceive you like darkness is in control of your life. The Bible says darkness is covering the earth. That's what's happening right now in Isaiah 60. Darkness is covering the earth, gross darkness of the people, but light shines on you, arises on you. And it says the Gentiles and all that darkness, they're going to come to your light. And the kings, that's where the wealth transfer comes from, to the brightness of your rising. And don't let death. Remember we read 1 Corinthians 15, 26, I believe it was. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And we just read, Jesus destroyed the devil who had power over death. But we read in Revelation earlier this year that one day death and hell will be turned into the lake of fire. There will be no more death of anybody. Right now, you and I are living and walking in abundant life. Amen? Amen? Have you been blessed this week? Amen. Come on, tell the truth. Have you been blessed this week? Hallelujah.
What a blessing. And I have poured out uh, myself as a drink offering to make sure, as I, as I would read the, read the, the, see the news and I'd hear reports about what's, what, going on, what was going on, it, it bothered me, but more so it pushed me. Get your people ready. Get your people built up so that they don't fall victim pray to all the devil's junk out there. And I believe I can send y'all out strong, fortified, ready to go. Amen? Who's leading prayer tonight? Who is it? Who's leading prayer? It's you. Okay. Get that microphone. Give me that microphone. We're going to close out in prayer like we've been doing every night this week. And uh, then I'll come back and benedict. Come on, come on out front.